All right, in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to Framecast number 31, where we're talking about special people, and we're being joined by very special people. Namely, we have Drew, as always, and we also have Livet Lion right here joining us. How's it going, guys? So today we're talking about Temtem. Uh, Lion, what is what's your history with Temtem? How did you discover the game? What do you do? Um, so, so I discovered the game actually very unfortunately right after the Kickstarter ended. So mm -hmm. I never initially got to back it, like a, a good majority of people, I think. Um, but yeah, we've been playing. I think we jumped in finally when we had the stress test and we were live during all three of the stress tests. We enjoyed it quite a bit and we were kind of shocked at how much that we enjoyed it. And then we've been playing it pretty much nonstop since it came out. So I think I've already got like a little bit over 120 hours or so. I know some people with way more than that. So, <laughs> yeah. Good what? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> seeing uh, seeing the suppressed look on Drew's face, I don't think you have 120 hours in it, do you? <laughs> no, 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 no. So, I do not. So for those of you who don't know, Temtem is um, like the Kickstarter game that recently opens its door opened its doors for um i think they called early access is that the right yeah. name yeah. for it so uh right now you can buy it on steam for 30 bucks and uh it's most widely known as like the indie pokemon game um uh, but then online and it's like i've been playing it uh drew's been playing it lion has been with it like from the start after the kickstarter ended uh mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun i can tell you um so yeah, try it if you haven't. Um, but today we're going to be talking about Temtem itself and can it conquer the hearts of Pokemon fans? Drew, how has your experience been so far with Temtem? How many hours are you in? 119? 118? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to be brutal. I'm probably going to piss off people. I'm only at like five hours. Mm -hmm. And... I honestly struggle with it. Okay. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm saying it's a game that maybe I'm just too used to Pokemon. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest challenges and hurdles that I have found with Temtem is, I, I you know I start playing. I move two foot. There's another trainer there that's you know <laughs> raring to beat me. And I'm like, oh my god, fine. And the dialogue had is just like. Oh, do you like waterfalls? Let, let's fight. I like waterfalls. Let's fight. It's like, oh, I especially like how it hits the rocks. Let's fight already. <laughs> um, and I, I, I do want to love it. I do want to like it a lot. I think the game has lots and lots of potential. I just think as a avid Pokemon fan... It's not there yet for me. I can see I can see what you're saying with, with the dialogue. I remember going from the very first town to like the next and me being like, oh yeah, nah, I can do this. Um I had to like go back multiple times to like go back to like my house to get my Temtems healed because there are so many bloody battles. And like you'll have yeah, like three cool. different dialogue options sometimes where it's like like, do you know what, what Temtem is good against this ability? Oh, what do you think is good against water? What do you think good is, is good against fire? It's like, and then they, you start a battle. So it, it takes a while. However, I have to say that um, with those two concerns, I do have to say that it's nice 
because most of the time in Pokemon, when you start out, you ha rarely have any trainers to go around. And what I most of the time used to do is in order to like prep myself for the first gym, I would always spend hours and hours in the weeds to try and train my Pokemon. So having more uh, trainers to battle is a good thing. And I think that the dialogue system also adds more like liveliness to the game other than just like having people talk to you and you just send up like, yeah. Yeah, I, w I would agree with that. I think there's quite a bit of uh I mean I'm a big fan of lore in most games. Mm -hmm. So like for me, like I don't mind all the dialogue that happens and I actually like that um I know you you haven't uh probably gotten through Drew to uh, to a lot of the different um farther in the games where the there's actually dialogue choices that matter. So like nope. as you're so that when you're playing through like if you click the wrong one like for instance there's a quest um I don't know if you want me to tell you like what the no, quest tell me, is. Tell me, tell me. So there's one that's uh, called, it's for a better life for Asterion. And it's mm. like, you, you kind of help out these, the, the family's children into get to different points in their lives, like where they want to go career wise, which is a really cool, like kind of aspect. It feels more adult in terms of like a narrative, you know, you're kind of helping these, these kids get to that point. And um, the one, he really wants to be part of like an airship. He, like he wants to work on an airship. And when you get him on board and everything, when you go to talk to him, he tries to give you an reward saying like, you know, I won't need my money. So here you could take, you know, my earnings that I've saved up for this much. Well, if you take it, you don't get the other reward. So if you deny it and you say, no kid, keep this, you know, you, you're going to need it more than I will. He actually ends up giving you like almost a perfect statted uh, pookie. Mm. So like if you took the money, you don't get the reward. If you took the reward, you don't get the money. So there's like there's choices like that throughout the game that if you make those, you will you'll miss out on certain things. So it's kind how, of cool. How did you know about this? Did you? I, I did through? not know about it. I, when I was playing through, it was just like a moral thing. I was like, oh, you know, as a kid, I don't really want to take money from the kid. He might need it. So I just went, nah, I don't want it. And I wanted to see what happened because, you know, the, the most choice, most people are going to choose the money because they're like, hey, I'm hurting for money. Everything's so damn expensive. Uh, <laughs> everything really is. The items in the mm -hmm. game are super expensive right now. So, you know, most people take the money, but I was like, you know, what would the option be if I turned down the money and I got a perfect stat? I was like, that's huge. How many other things in the game have these kind of choices, you know, especially going forward? And for me, like, I really want them to, I would love for them to embrace that kind of thing, making more incentives to actually reading the dialogue and paying attention to things. So, and I've, I've noticed there's a lot more like adult themes and stuff in there. Like, um, when you get to that first town and they're telling you, there's like, oh, you know, when you stop back through, let's go have a, let's go have a drink. You know, like you don't experience those kind of dialogue kind of options in like a, you know, a normal Pokemon game. You know what I mean? Because those are yeah. it's more it's more gauged towards, you know, kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas this one, I, I see that their narratives are leaning more towards like environmentalism and and issues that are on the horizon, you know, with like cultures and societies and stuff like that. There's like nuances mm -hmm. in there. So for me, I've actually enjoyed a lot of the narrative. Yeah. So. It... Go on. OK, so. When first of all, when it comes to like it being less focused towards the kids, I have to say I'm very disappointed that the professor is not named after a tree, as far as I believe. <laughs> um, that was a bit of a disappointment. Um, but no, like I think I I really think that if done right, the the dialogue and the dialogue options can really elevate the um, involvement in the lore of what goes around. Like I remember I used to go for Pokemon games trying to like talk to every single one of the per uh, the people and then you'd find it like the first two towns would just be filled with people that would say nothing but um, uh, this potion is used for this. 
use yeah. like use your running shoes to sprint. I'm like, yeah, normal people don't talk like that. Um, <laughs> you're no normal people. However, when you put in a like a choice option and then the choices don't lead to anything, then it's like, well, why is this here? Why do we even bother? So I think that yeah. it, it's really important that we have these um, you have these results to it, and they like. I think it's fine if in the beginning you don't have like a lot of like effect on them because you're just still trying to figure out the game. But mm -hmm. if in quest like it really leads to different outcomes, like that's really cool. I like that. Um and I think one of the problems I have with some of the dialogue is the fact that it's so jarring. I don't know if Lion, you've played either of the, the latest two Pokemon games. No, I haven't I haven't played the latest two. I follow them, but I haven't played the latest two. I played the ones before that, like Sun and Moon and stuff like that. So So my biggest problems with the latest Pokemon games is literally probably the same problem I have with Temtem is the fact that I'm trying to go at my pace, at my speed. I'm trying to hit the hurdles at, like at my running speed or whatever. And then all of a sudden, bam, I'm stopped. And here, have some pointless, needless dialogue. I won't let you actually do anything <laughs> until I finish showing you this picture on a wall. I'm like, I don't care about your bloody picture on the wall. Just show me the thing. And um, <laughs> fight me already. Yeah. 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 And basically, and I think potentially this this is maybe provoking negative thoughts in temtem the 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 negative reaction i'm having towards what i experienced in pokemon is potentially showing itself in temtem the fact that i don't want to travel five foot and then fight another um trainer battle mm. only to have to go back to the town to heal up my temtem like i've gotten to the the first cave on the first island, like the, sorry, the big cave on the first island. Mm -hmm. So I'm not that far into the game, mm -hmm. but I do know about the the revival jiggers and all that stuff. I feel the need to go back and revive my temtem is or heal my temtem is a lot lot higher than anything else, like in Pokemon. Yeah, I would agree with that 100. percent I, th I think part of it definitely comes from, like, the fact that there are more trainer battles. And, um, like, I don't necessarily think, as I said before, that it's that's a real bad thing. Because I remember really looking forward to trainer battles because they're nice way they're, they're really nice ways to level. And with you having, like, two Temtem that you can throw out, like, leveling those uh, Temtem up is so much better than in Pokemon. Um, however, I can see what you're saying with, like, the... Uh, exposition, especially when it's like an animation that you're like walking through 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 a town or like they're taking you along. Um, I'm kind of wondering whether that could be because of some like some very like ironic turn of events where back in the old days where you didn't have the internet, like things were poorly explained because if you had to like l like read for like a whole page of text to like have someone mm -hmm. explain something to you, you'd be bored like you might no one read it, so they wouldn't really put in these tutorials. Um, so people just had to figure it out, and people didn't quite like that, but they had no other options because there was no internet. And now with the internet, when everyone can figure out, through just looking, at, looking it up, how things work, uh, they also have higher graphics so that instead of just like telling you it in like this little box, they can just show you around so they, more, so they make yeah. more like eloquent tutorials where like if you grew up with Pokemon before those days, you're just used to like skip, 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 and I'll just move along and figure it out on myself. That's a fair point. 
I would definitely agree with that. So maybe like an option to like I I don't know because on the one hand I I know that we often complain about games which don't really like uh, introduce themselves properly or like put in tutorials because I am also a firm believer of like it should be inside the game like the game itself should be enough to like teach you what's going on. Um, yeah. But like, and, and then at the same time, like I will, I also know that a lot of people will say if they have the option to choose or skip a tutorial, they'll often skip it. Say, I'm a gamer, I know how this works, and then they have no idea how it works, and they get really upset with it. So <laughs> maybe like an option to like, like skip those things. But then again, like it's, it's, I don't know. It also gives like a little bit of character to it, and it, once you get through those stages, like those things, will, will become less and less and less. Yeah, I would say they definitely die down significantly after you get through the first island. Like I think the first island is very much catered to to giving a, a new experience, like a because there are a lot of differences in the game and there's a lot of things that they do kind of have to show you. But you can also, you know, in your options disable like the tutorial pop-ups, the things that show up. Mm -hmm. But like those things are also pretty useful. Like they pop out really quick, you get a little blurb that you can read and it yeah. shows a good visual of what you're you know, what you need to do. So those are kind of nice. Um, but yeah, you definitely you definitely have to figure your way, like figure your way around the areas more as you get farther into the islands like definitely the second and third islands become more of like i have no idea where i'm going i'm just going to figure this out whereas like mm -hmm. the first one is very clearly like you're going in a straight path up and that's where i need to go mm -hmm. you know what i mean so so obviously on the legion gaming channel you have oh kitty, kitty. um sorry i didn't get distracted Sorry, um <laughs> on the legion game on the legion gaming channel you actually have a lot of Temtem videos with your yeah. partner in crime, Kodak. Yeah. Kodiak, yeah. And I had a point. Um, <laughs> so you've you know you've played a lot of the game. How much of the game did you have to go look up for yourself on how to do it, or versus how much did you work out for yourself firsthand? I ran through the entire game blind. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I ran through the, that's like my thing. Like whenever I play a game, I don't look up any guides or anything. First and foremost, I just like power through the game and I see what I could discover on my own. And then if I miss things, that's when I then go to like a wiki or something like that. And I see what they have. And I see like any notes that I've taken down. I compare with like what they've put down. I'm like, this is incorrect. This is, I've definitely seen something contrary to this, you know? So there's, for me, I, I, I like experiencing things completely blind. So for me, like the overall experience has been very, very good figuring things out as I go for the most for I think for the most part I think the the only big frustration to me was actually like the co-op experience but like we can get into that later uh, that's been a that's been a very sore subject for me with <laughs> well let's get into it now T talk, talk to us about it yeah so the, the co-op experience to me I think could be done a lot better because I know that this game is is marketed as an MMO and aside from the the, the living world of all the trainers running around, which granted, I really love seeing. I love seeing all these people in areas that I'm playing around because it kind of breaks up the monotony sometimes of like, you know, grinding certain Thames out for TV stats or, you know, trying to find this one. Like, it's nice seeing other people run away, run around you and then they have like Lumas and you're like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I never saw that one before. So it's a cool kind of experience. But the co-op itself, um, it's weird that it like limits you and your partner. Can't, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like climbing into my keyboard. Um, so like me and my partner, like we can only get, you only get three Tem each cause it's, you know, it's a two V two battle system. Mm -hmm. You get three, I get three. But the problem is the experience is still not divvied up in a way that kind of makes sense. Like if you're, if you're playing by yourself, right. 
and you have two time on the field, they get a buttload of experience. But when you play with a partner, you're only leveling one time at a time on each side. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, even if you have six that you need for the story, when you're not playing with your partner, you're investing a lot more experience into one thing rather than two. So you're kind of hampering, hampering, I think that's the word I'm looking for, your experience as you're playing through with a partner. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, if you don't play exclusively together, you're going to have problems keeping up with the levels. Yeah, it's it, um, it's it, it's not beneficial in the way of you growing for the, for the game and growing your Temtems to do it in a co-op mode because you'll only be ranking up one instead of two. Correct. And then the other the other kind of issue I have real quick um, is you can't even just co-op and just farm separately. Like I'd love to just have like my friend in a co-op session and we're in the same area just farming battles mm -hmm. independently. You know what I mean? Like I see what I capture, see what he captures. Yeah. You can't do that. If one person gets into a fight in a co-op session, wherever you are on the map, it drags your character all the way over and then starts the battle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't like that aspect about the game. I think that could be vastly improved. So. No, I, I can agree with that. I've done a couple of uh, co-op sessions. So now that you have said that, it's just like, yes, no, I do remember having to run across a field. Yep, with no choice. One of the thoughts I had was I feel a simple solution to the whole balancing of experience mm. is simply instead of actually just dumping double the amount in the the temtem you have is to still have this principle of you divvy it up so yeah. have it so that um your first two temtem still receive the uh, the bonus even though the second one is not out yeah i think that's how it should be done as well that was my thought as well because i know you do get like an experience share item towards like the end of the first island you can go down and get that um and that does help significantly you know if you're doing co-op because then you are leveling a second tem at the same time um but for the most part yeah like i think an inherent experience kind of share would be super beneficial to a co-op session yeah so one question i have right mm -hmm. how much pokemon have either of you played I played all the way up through, I think, Black and White 2 was when I was, like, hardcore. Like, I played all of the games. And just kind of, like, I... I think I think we're losing him. Yeah, we're losing him a little bit. Let's Lion? Go. See if he comes back. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Nope, I think we've potentially completely lost him. Yeah, Maybe. That doesn't happen often that it's not you who breaks up. Yeah, let's uh let's see what we can do about him. it. Um yeah, while you contact him, um I've played um I've played Pokemon Pearl was like my first like series entry, and after that I started to pick up like old Game Boy games. Um and just playing them like in class so i've had like three or four pokemon games which i really played like from start to end how about you drew uh oh god i used to play a lot of the the older ones like i remember playing red all the mm -hmm. way through because i you know i started when it first came out and i think i played a little bit of like uh soul no of silver 
Then I played when Soul Silver came out. I played all of that. I'm pretty sure I played all of Ruby. Um, but it gets it's just just like there's so many of them. It gets hard to remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the question I wanted to ask, and I'm kind of wanting line well, we, to come back. Yeah, well, we can jump in on when he comes back, but we can continue on as well. So the question I wanted to ask was. In the Pokemon games, how often do you turn off the battle animations? That was an option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I well, I, I I never did, um, but like, I think that where you're going with this is like how long that took. Um, like seriously, oh. I really enjoy. Oh, um, hold on. Um, here we go. Let me adjust the thing of the thing of thing. Boom, here we go. Um, how long like the animations and the um, and like the entire like battle sequence took was so long in Pokemon. I really like how short it is in Temtem because basically what you have with Pokemon is like four lines per attack. It's like uh, the Pokemon does the attack, it it's it it's successful. Uh, it's not very successful. Uh, it takes so bloody long. Um, and I find it the pace and symptom way better. So, in Pokemon, you have the ability to just flat out turn off the uh, uh, the animations. So it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, um, Pokemon does attack, enemy Pokemon does attack. You know, and it's it's like super fast. That is one thing I actually genuinely miss in Temtem. So yeah, okay. Temtem's like really quick in terms of that kind of compact. Oh, we got him back. There we go. I think I'm back. This might happen again. I don't know what they're doing with the internet. So no, perfect. Sorry. Right. <laughs> so what I was so I um asked Michelle if he knew about the combat system in Oh gosh, what's the name of the in Pokemon. So like you Pokemon, turn off you animations in Pokemon. Yeah, so you can turn off combat animations in Pokemon. Did oh, you do that? I did sometimes, not all the time. Right, um, okay. I, I, I there's definitely a few games I did. Yeah. Um, so to me, one thing that I feel like I'm long-suffering in the tooth is the fact that in Temtem, it's just like, okay, yep, I've seen that before. I don't need to see it again. Can we yeah. please skip these animations? So... How do do you feel that this is a feature that is necessary? Yeah, I do. I think it's a feature necessary. But I think also, like, we have a year left of their early access development. I'm Mm -hmm. sure that complaint will make its way very, very clearly to them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think they'll definitely implement something like that because they've been really good about, like, community response to things. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing I will will absolutely praise those devs on is that I've, I've very rarely seen a community interact with their players so frequently and even so lightheartedly even like through twitter and stuff like that like i know warframe is really good about communicating things i know um destiny actually to a degree now is very good about communicating things even though the choices aren't always the greatest um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like it's good to see that they're they're communicating with that Mm -hmm. so i definitely think that's something that they'll implement without a doubt well i i honestly find well since my latest pokemon entry was like pearl or something that i seriously Mm -hmm. played um, like it's so much faster. It's so insanely faster. Like I really enjoyed like how fast it feels compared to like standard Pokemon. 
though I'd never experienced it turning off the animation. So I don't have that <laughs> to compare it to. But uh, what I what I do have to say when it comes to the online element to it, what you mentioned with like having all the other people running around is um, I remember we had Hydroxid on the Framecast a couple of weeks ago talking about Pokemon, about Sword and Shield. And one thing he said was like, this feels like I'm running around in the anime, which I never felt. And like, I didn't play Pokemon Sword and Shield. So when I started up Temtem, it's like, yes, I, I can feel this now. This feels so much mm -hmm. more like your, this is your like anime story, like like as you saw with the with the Pokemon like anime, um, because like you can customize your character. It's, it looks like a character. It's not just pixels. And then instead of you just being alone in the world, you have so many more people around you, which would make sense because everyone would want to be like a Temtem trainer um, when like when you live in a world of Temtem. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the only thing is that at the start when you go through like the the um, the quest motions, it's sometimes really weird when it's like. Oh yeah, you are the special, uh, the special student from from um, from from the professor, and it's like you have five people clipping into you that are standing yeah. in the same spot. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm really special. <laughs> I'm so special, so, I got ten arms. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably why. But yeah, um, so one question I have is, how do you feel about the longevity of Temtem? So not. Is it going to survive in the next five years' time or so? Mm. I think all of us would say, yeah, it's going to be fine. Well, um, I wonder, like, I've not quite figured out their, their monetization, um, the way that they monetize it. Um, do you have yeah. more information on that? So I think, like, their main their main goal, I think, is through cosmetics. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the, the, the cosmetic shop as it stands, like, the items in-game are super expensive. You got to farm for hours to make enough money to buy one piece of those things. So I think going forward, what they're going to do is they're going to be like special limited run cosmetics, you know, like you get these and then they're gone kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's what I assume most games in that kind of genre will do. And I don't really have a problem with cosmetics being no. the monetized aspect of things. They did mention at some point, um, they did mention a line saying quality of life things. And that's, mm -hmm. if that is done wrong, that is very bad for the game. Extremely yeah. bad for the game. Um, if done right, it could be good, but you know, I don't know what that limit is within a game like this. Yeah. You know? it, I, I honestly have to say, so if you want to get into this game, um, you, you pay up 30 bucks right now on steam. And I think it's a really, really fair price. And what you get then is like, it's kind of short at the moment, uh, but you get like a Pokemon like experience and they're building onto the content. Uh, yeah. so I so think that you said short, I mean, how many hours do you have line? <laughs> I have 120 hours. Like the campaign alone, mm -hmm. if you do every side quest and everything from the very beginning to the very end of where it is right now, we're talking about 50, 55 hours. Mm -hmm. I would, I wouldn't count that as short. <laughs> well, they're saying that it's short because like there's a lot of content which you can also see in the game when you when you're running around that is to be added. So yeah, you're paying the 30 bucks. There's still more to come, um, which is really good. Uh, however, one thing which I really comment the, uh, commend them on is they they have this live service 
game actually like yeah. um it's it's really weird because you're looking at this through like the lens of like oh it's like a pokemon game but then with people in it so it feels like it's just like this solid game like this pokemon game but it's actually a live service game which yeah. has a 30 dollar entry fee and a lot of times when you look at live service games like destiny which recently went free to play or like anthem like having an upfront price on a live service game doesn't always sit very well because live service games can't just rely on game sales alone they also need constant monetization Correct. Because let's say the entire play base buys the game in year one and they need to support us towards the year two. It's like, where are they going to get the money from? However, yeah. they do it so right. And like, I haven't felt any monetization gate at all. It doesn't feel like, like, oh, I really need to like pay up to, to have an enjoyable experience. Um, yeah. So far doing it with cosmetics is great. So like, that's one thing that I was like wondering about like how do they do it and what you say with cosmetics. I love cosmetics for like money. It's like, yeah, sure. If you want to look great, Put put some money down, um, uh, like quality of life improvements. Yeah. Like Warframe has <laughs> affinity boosters, like boosters like making sense, yeah. But like it needs to be the grind, and still needs to be like acceptable for people that don't pay. Yeah, because the reason I worry about it is it directly affecting like the economy because they have an auction house planned for mm -hmm. for Tem House and everything. So yeah, like, cause right now, if you ever join like the Temtem Discord or anything like that, there's a whole selling and buying area where people farm up like perfect breeds and they sell them or they mm -hmm. have like the smaller SV ones that they sell the things. Like it's, it's already very hectic trying to even buy things from people in that kind of sense. So mm -hmm. like having an auction house won't be a bad thing in my opinion, like the way they want to do it. But the reason I worry about quality of life things is because that directly impacts the economy when you implement something like an auction house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, so, okay. Yeah. Oh, auction house is an interesting topic. I think you want to touch on that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so my question to you, all right? And oh, look, going off topic. Have you ever played World of Warcraft? Yeah, but I wasn't like a hard. I played vanilla, and that's it. That's so, fine. I mean, yeah. vanilla was where it was mostly at with the auction house, right? Yeah. Did you ever play Diablo three before Reaper of Souls? No. Right. So the reason why auction houses worked in world of warcraft is because you had servers of several hundred people right mm -hmm. and you know it wasn't millions upon millions of people all in one place the problem with a system like diablo 3 is when there was only one auction house across the entire player base and thus the economy was just bullshit because mm -hmm. either you got truck tons of the in-game currency so like a little gem was worth hundreds of thousands, even though it was just garbage, right? When the new expansion mm -hmm. came out. Or it was worth nothing in terms of the real money because you know everyone was undercutting everyone else, right? Yeah. My concern with a real sorry, with not with a real money auction house. So my concern with a, an auction house is a similar problem. Is that if everyone is um what you call it, supplying stuff to a minimal demand then the the costs are going to be way way low but at the same time if you're still able to just make non-stop equity no not equity um <laughs> cash basically if you just got infinite cash because you're able to do daily quests or i know the second island has a system where you can just release temtem and the higher the level of the temtem the more, um, the more money you get yeah, exactly. And it's it's just like, so you, you can ge just generate income 
from just playing the game. It's not yeah. like the real world where there's only a finite amount of cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, it doesn't cost you any money to actually heal your Temtem. So you could go down the free route of all I'm going to do is whenever I my, I need to heal my Temtem, I'm not going to use a bomb or anything like that. I'm going to go all the way back to the Pokemon Center or Temtem Center equivalent and just heal up. So you could have a situation where, oh, this absolute garbage Temtem is worth 100,000. What's the money called? Uh, Pansons. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred thousand pansons, and it's just like, but it's pure garbage. Yeah, but the economy's completely whack. Yeah, no, I, I, I think with auction houses and games, like a lot of times, the argument that's being put forward in in favor of it is is the enormous chaos that trade chats are. And you mentioned yeah. the Discord already. It's like people will just constantly be spamming things. We also we we also see this in Warframe where it's like people I like spam at the highest frequency that they can like i'm selling this i'm selling this i'm selling this or they're spamming like i'm buying this i'm buying this i'm buying this and how the hell mm-hmm. are you going to find the other person however i think that because there is this time investment element to it um it makes the trade worth your while in the sense of you will still have a price that like you can sell things for for like that it's worth the effort because as drew mm-hmm. says like the moment that you can like throw up everything like on an auction house and you can just throw it on there and like people will just have to bid on it. It's like, yeah, if you have like basically infinite amount of supply, um, which like most of the things in the game will be like infinite if you have enough time spent on it. It's like, yes, like what's stopping anyone from like the millions of people that play it to just like no life throw everything on there. And then like, what will, what will the price be? It's like the, the supply will be so big that like, yeah, it won't work. So, me being a giant shit stirrer, giving you my opinion, what is your thought? Do you think that the variety of Temtem is enough that there will always be a demand for the supply? How do you think it would work out? Um, I mean, once the game launches, there's 161 plus mm-hmm. Temtem. So right now, it's they're only they're less than half, I think, of where they want to be right now. So that's that's still something to be seen. They're also like as as more Temtem are added, I think the pools of like the grass encounters where things currently spawn will be changed so that they accommodate more of those types. So like the ratios at which you, your encounter ratio will be much more drastic. So like I will say playing now is more favorable probably to you in the long run than playing later. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like right now you can really kind of, you know, find those patches of grass with a hundred percent encounter rate on a certain temp and really farm that for like the good SVs and then breed into like a perfect and then sell the perfects. You know what I mean? Those kind of things. So I don't know. It's like, cause there, there are certain items in the game that are very rare, like um, uh, telomere hacks that let you permanently increase the stat of an SB by one. So like those are super rare. And right now you really can only find a finite amount in the game and a few occasionally when the Tem society has the, or the free Tem society has the weekly rewards. Like sometimes that's what's given for that. Um, and even so farming money in the current state of the game takes an ungodly long time. I, I'll say that like to get like 20,000 Pansun is probably a solid three to four hours of farming like nonstop, but like you just focus on catch release, catch release, catch release because they don't have their end game systems to make other forms of money at the current time. Cause they, they're planned for like mini games and they want uh, club battles to hold territories over dojos. And uh, there's like a lot of stuff that they have aimed to like make income 
I think down the road, but that's not here currently. So everybody's just currently farming the most efficient spots of Temtem and then, you know, making perfects and selling those. Like, so that's the current state. So it's really hard to weigh in to say if it'll, how the auction house kind of thing will, will play out because mm-hmm. I don't really know what the supply and demand will be at that point. And especially with balance patches, you know, a live game was going to have far more balance patches to competitive Temtem versus um, something like Pokemon where they don't really push out patches that balance the Pokemon that often. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whereas this, like, you might see something like every two weeks, every every month, all of a sudden the build that you have is, is kaput and you need to go make and get another version of that same Tem with a different trait. You know, or if they rebalance the traits and change the way this trait works on this one, all of a sudden you need to go get a new one. So I think like the econ, like the the flow of how often things change, I don't think will make the auction house that bad of a thing. But I can definitely see your concerns with you know whoever has invested the most amount of time and most amount of stuff to be able to flood the market at initial release. I think there's going to be an issue on the initial release. I definitely think we're going to see problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think as it as time goes on, I think it will get better. Like just me being an optimist, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's how I see it in the current state. So core fundamental combat mm-hmm. within Temtem, all right? Very simple. The stamina bar. I freaking love it. Yeah. I think it is such a vast improvement over the PP system mm-hmm. in Pokemon, like it's great. But one thing I'm <sighs> maybe disillusioned because again of Pokemon. So I keep bringing up this comparison. Mm-hmm. It's fine. They, I mean, they definitely reference this game Pokemon as their springboard. So yeah. Fine. So the <laughs> one thing that I do struggle with is the near constant need to heal my Temtem because the trainers that you're fighting against are on par. They're always on par with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you get one trainer's like, oh yes, my Temtem is five levels higher than yours. Suck it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um do you feel that there is any form of demoralization in the player base when they have to have this constant running backward. Oh, I can see back. I can see like a more casual player being pretty annoyed with it. Um mm-hmm. I play a lot of games like Dark Souls and Remnant where I like the punishment in games where it's like really overly brutal to a degree. And like for me, I like that the trainers aren't kind of like, hey, enter a battle, spam a couple moves, move on. Like I like that like when I play, I have to be like oh, great, this is a type that I just don't have a counter to. Now I have to worry about my stamina management, otherwise I'm going to get absolutely punished in this match. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like that aspect of the NPCs, and it makes it, every encounter kind of feels like I'm kind of worried going into, like, am I prepared enough for what I'm going to be playing against? Versus, hey, I'm just going to steamroll through these trainers because my poke, my Temtem are super level. You know what I mean? Like, mm. that's that's my play on it. That's how I feel about it. Um, but I could definitely see from like a more casual aspect that people would be very disheartened by the fact like if they get into one battle and they are severely underleveled and they just get absolutely steamrolled and then they lose a portion of their money, which is already finite in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That that's that's a definite concern for a more casual player, especially one that has never played even a monster catching game before. You know, 
like if this is their first mm -hmm. foray into it because they just don't play consoles for the most part and they play pc and this is their first like major jump in on that point i could see that being a concern as well so there's there's both sides and i don't really know how you cater to both sides at that point you well kind of i i think that there is um worth there, there's a lot of worth in having more difficult content available to to mm -hmm. any player because that like increases the longevity of the of the amount of time you'll spend on it the amount of like engagement you'll get out of it but it's only worth so much if you are anticipated for it if you know it's coming so mm -hmm. like you have this weird thing which drew mentioned before where like in pokemon you have far less trainers um so right now you have far more trainers but at the same time they're also far more difficult than your trainers yeah. if you come out of pokemon so when I think I feel a lot of people will be going into into this thing with a reference of Pokemon, even if they've never had a Nintendo DS, which was like, well, it, like just look beneath look beneath your couch cushions, you'll find a Nintendo DS there. Like <laughs> yeah, literally, everyone true. had one ten years ago. You'd go Mine's grocery shopping. Do you have one on the shelf? Yeah, someone's over the shelf. <laughs> well, like you just went grocery shopping, you came back with two DSs. It's like, yeah, you know, these yep. things were everywhere. So I'm 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 assuming that everyone. Most people have played it. Um, uh, and then, like, you go in and you see more trainers, like, fine. But then you don't expect them to be more difficult. And I, and I remember very clearly from, like, the first, like, time that I went through, that I went from the one city to, to the other. It was like, oh, shit. My two, my, 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 my two power temptum are kind of dead now. And then I had, like, four others, but they didn't have any offensive abilities yet. I was like, right. Fuck me. I'm going to die. <laughs> And like that realization, like I, I'm, um, I, I thought at time, okay, let's see if I can like swap this around. Like, eventually you win the battle, but I, I can also imagine someone like stepping in there, be just being like, right, no, 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 nope, 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 I'm not. So it's, I, I could have done as well with like an easier startup that you like flow into it a little bit easier. It's like, okay, well, these trainers are a little bit easier. You'll, you'll grind over them. And then, like from the next town onward, it will be um, it will be tougher. So, for everyone's benefit, uh, Livid is not frozen in uh, in place. His internet mm -hmm. connection has dropped again. Yeah, I mean, a part of me feels that if the because the trainers in Temtem are so much more frequent than that of Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Maybe they should have the difficulty level of Pokemon. So it's more of a, a gradual uphill battle rather than a, I suppose, a Dark Souls encounter every five steps forward. Mm. And, you know, it's it's like, what can you do? Um, a part of me does want them to rebalance the the NPC encounters, but... I don't know. Livid has said that he is happy with as it is. I Maybe I'm just a filthy casual. Maybe it's just a simple case that I prefer a game like this to be a smooth path forward than mm. a... Because like when, whenever I'm playing something else, you know, mm. most of the time I'm playing with someone else. And it doesn't matter how difficult it is because it's something that we're both experiencing. It's something that we're, we're sharing the 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 further forwardness you know but when he brought up remnant i'm like oh but i love remnant i thought remnant was brilliant i played a lot of remnant with laws 
And then it, it dawned on me, maybe it's just I'm a filthy casual when it comes to playing by myself. But when playing with other people, mm. I prefer to have a richer experience. Well, I, I'm wondering if it has to do with how... Hold on, my switching isn't... Oh, I know what, my switching isn't working. Boom, boom, there we go. Um, I'm wondering if it has to do with that Pokemon has always been on the handheld console. Um, and why would that matter? Uh, to me... Um, the thing with handhelds is that, like, I would always carry them around, and I loved just like playing with them. Uh, and then, if I had to had to had to be like interrupted, I would just like close it down or turn it off, and I would be able to come back to it. Uh, so it was a more casual approach, but not so much in the sense of like, oh, I don't care, I'm just playing around. Blah, blah. It's like you you didn't have to be dedicated towards it for an extended period of time. Um, like with Warframe, if you go into a mission, like you can be five minutes away, but if you go into like a raid in Destiny, like that can take you 45 minutes. Like that's not the way that Pokemon is structured. The way that Pokemon was structured most of the time you know, on these, like on the traditional games, and I think even still to this day, is that a lot of the time investment into, into it comes in the form of like doing a lot of battles, getting a lot of XP, like like going on and on and on and catching them all. And like, that's a long grind, but you can interrupt that in, in many different ways. Um, so I also agree that when it comes to, when it comes to like a multiplayer setting where I read, like where, where the co-op is done well, that I'm playing really together with someone, um, then I am more enticed to like, you know, I sit down at my computer, I go play this thing for like an hour. But when I... Um, encounter like Temtem, I think, oh yeah, it's fun, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll play before dinner, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll have to go now. And then when it's like, when you have that approach of kind of like turning it on and off, then when you turn it on and you find like, oh shit, I'm like halfway through, but I, I need to go back now like two more times before I can actually reach the next city, then that becomes more of a um, obstruction than that it feels like flowing within the gameplay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I'd be interested to see in the future how they address it. Maybe it's just the fact that, you know, I am a filthy casual and I don't have the Temtem needed to power through these hurdles. Maybe it's a simple case of, you know, I'm, I'm doing something fundamentally wrong because, you know, I was impatient, got fed up with all the dialogues about, you know, aren't Temtem amazing, and then decided, oh, I'm just gonna bugger off over here. And maybe that is something that I'm fundamentally missing. Well, it's... Um, and I'm gonna try and entertain the thought of whether this has to do with a handheld game coming to console, and actually now coming to PC as a PC-only game. Because, like, I feel that handhelds aren't necessarily just game consoles that you can take on the go. I think that there is a distinct difference in, like, a traditional handheld game and a traditional, like, sit-down-play game. Like, I think that there is also a way that, that, like, handheld games are being developed in the sense, like, it can be shut down, it can be, like, flipped up, open in any capacity. And I think that Pokemon, or, like, like Temtem clearly being, like, really inspired from Pokemon, I think that Pokemon was designed initially as a handheld game. Like, it has been handheld until, like, right now. Like, right now on the Switch, all of a sudden, oh, you can put it on your TV. But it's still handheld. So the game structure that you're used to is very much, like, very casual. Um, and, like, like, because that's the way that the game was designed around, like, the system that it was designed for. 
But now, like, this game is only out as far as right now on PC. So that makes for a more, like, dedicated approach to a game which was traditionally designed and built up as a more casual approach. And, like, I don't necessarily know, like, I haven't necessarily found many differences between Temtem and Pokemon where I said, okay, this right here is a core difference where I find that this gives me reason to, like, take this completely differently than Pokemon in the way that I approach it as, like, the casual gameplay. Um, like, there's even no, no, like, save buttons on here. So, like, you, you, you close it, you're out. Like, you don't you need, even need to, like, do the saving thing, which is really nice for, like, popping in and out. But because of that, like, these things, which, like, if you're in Warframe and, like, you have to, like, go back and forth on a mission, like, I think we'd love that if we actually have a mission where we have to find some cover or, like, have to manage our health or have to manage these things. But right now, because we're used to, like, the setup where it's, like, either you use a reusable item, no, no, not a reusable, a usable item, or you have to go walk all the way back, it feels counterintuitive to the things that you're, that you're used to. No, I, I agree with that. I think... I think I'd just love to hear from the, the rest of the community. I, I kind of wish that uh, Lion was able to yeah. just hop back into the call. Lion says, um, I would 100% agree with that. Uh, the always online aspect may also really turn people up from Temtem. See, like, that's, that, that's one thing which I've been wondering about uh, because I think that it adds a lot of, like, goodness when it comes to the liveliness of the world. Um so I'm liking it in that regard. It doesn't really interfere much from, like, your solo play. Uh, it sucks that, like, I can't really interact with I, I disagree with that. It, I do feel it interrupts with the solo play because if you have to queue up in order to actually log in or yeah, the that... servers go down. Like, I mean, if, if it's a so Like, I could pick up the Switch and play the uh, Pokemon games or mm. Dead Cells or Witcher 3 at a whim. Right, the switch isn't going to suddenly turn on. Like, oh, I have to do a factory reset right now, and you have to reinstall <laughs> the game. Ooh. You know, but you know, I I do feel that. No, yeah, no, sorry, seriously, always online easily interrupts a solo experience. Well, is that just for the for for the server maintenance? Because like like and and, and the queuing up thing. Because like I think that's like early early bird things. Because I I would expect that they're desire is to have a game like warframe which is on all the time basically like warframe doesn't really have server issues unless it's like a really big launch uh, so the thing with warframe is it is it, it's not always talking to the server pardon mm -hmm. me sorry I've, I've clearly heard too much pop um it's not always talking to servers you know, whereas Temtem is always communicating, like, oh, this person is here on the world, this person is there on the world. It's more of a, like, you know, Temtem is the equivalent of always being in the relay, right? Mm -hmm. And the relay requires an actual server um, to, to translate into Warframe terms. But I think that maybe you should be able to go and explore the world in Temtem, but if the servers go down, it shouldn't interrupt what you're doing in the game mm -hmm. right maybe you should still be able to capture temtem or whatever and then when the servers come back online it's like hey look we caught these temtem but yeah well like how big of like a from a developer's point of view how big of an investment would that would that require because i think that um 
I've often wondered when when it comes to games like Warframe or other live service games like we talked about previously, um, the um, with with laws, it's like it would be great if those games could re could like once they shut down still live on through like either like server code or as offline games. But the thing is like an offline game is way different than a live service game. Like you, I don't think that you don't just convert, like it's like, oh here, download this, download this live service game. You can just like download it right now. as a like, like a, like an offline game. Like I don't think it works that way. Um, or does but the it? big thing is Diablo three, right? So Di mm -hmm. when Diablo three first launched, I was one of the major titles at the time that came up with this whole always online bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. I had no problem with it, right? Because I played World of Warcraft for God knows how long, a subscription-based game, which made sense. It always had to be online because, mm -hmm. you know, it MMO. But Diablo 3 didn't make a whole lot of sense of being always online. But if they're able to do a Switch port of the game mm -hmm. that you can go play out in the street where there's no internet, or you can play on a PlayStation 4 that, again, is not hooked up to the internet, then why is the PC version always online? Right? It is a conceptual design choice mm -hmm. at the beginning. Like You're making an architectural design choice always online. Right? Now, the upside of always online is you can protect the security of the data. So... Mm -hmm. You can make sure that every temtem is legitimately captured. Because if the servers go offline and you're allowed to like fiddle with the data, oh look, I caught this amazing like you know Pokemon. Yeah. Oh, I caught this shiny Mewtwo with perfect stats. Ooh. Oh, how lucky was I? <laughs> you know, it's just it's just not gonna fucking happen, is it? Mm -hmm. You know. Everyone in the world has fucking Mewtwo in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And it's like, wait, Mewtwo's not in the game. It's like, ooh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, yeah. No, I, I can see that, like, a, a really important element towards, like, live service games as compared to, like, solo, uh, solo play is that generally I don't think anyone gives a fuck about what you do with your solo game. Like, if you cheat the heck out of your solo game, it's like, who cares? It's like it's an offline cartridge. It doesn't interact with anything. Like maybe right now with more like we have like these trophy systems. But I remember back in the day, we'd, we would just like we would all like we would have that friend that would have like the Nintendo DS, like the, the old Nintendo DS, the old version. And he would have all the cheats on it. And he was like, whenever it would seem like, what kind of legendary Pokemon do you want today? And I was like, well, what kind of what kinds do you have? And like you would trade all these legendary Pokemon there and be like, ha ha, I, I got all of them. It's like no one cares at that point. But when it comes to like a an, an online live service game, especially when we were talking with Lion about like the auction house and, and stuff like that, like, oh boy, oh boy. Like if there, if there was any hope for the auction house, uh, then like, like offline play and cheats, that would just crumble it because everyone would have the most insane shit. Um, well, I mean, if everyone had, um, so if it was easy to cheat and hack and so on and so forth, th there would be no use of the auction houses. Like, no. Oh, you want me to pay money to have that? Oh, uh, no, I just give it to myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah. one question I have mm. is how do you feel about the fact that? It's a thirty dollar. You said dollar, didn't you? It was thirty dollar game, mm -hmm. right? And the ability to 
buy cosmetics in the game is so difficult because you have to farm like nuts to get enough mm -hmm. money, enough um, Hanson to actually buy any of the cosmetics. See, I like like this is a this is really interesting because I don't feel like this is a life service game. And let me let me like explain that in the sense of like I know it's online and I know there are there are other people, but because it has such a semblance to Pokemon, I just feel like I'm playing a Pokemon game, but then with like actual people online. Like it feels as though like Pokemon got their shit sorted of actually having network things that work and that aren't like from 10 years ago. And like, I'm just playing my game, but then I see other people around. So I don't feel that bad about an upfront cost because it's like, it's it's even cheaper than Pokemon and this thing is actively being developed upon. But then when you're so talking that, about- that wasn't that wasn't my point. My point yeah, no, was no, like, you bought the game mm -hmm. and then you had to wait forever before you could do any of the core shit. Yeah, like, no, that, it, that's that 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 that's what I was getting to. Is that like it no. feels when when I think about it, like oh shit, that's pretty cool. But when we start mentioning that hey, it's a live service game, and like as live service games do, like they have a way to like they do it through cosmetics, which I think is the most moral approach, um, to do it, uh, to like have the monetization thing in there. Then no, you start... that's 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 not what I meant. So I'm, I'm glad I tried. Okay. My clarification, right? Mm -hmm. Star Wars Battlefront 2, mm -hmm. right? Super duper elite edition, mm -hmm. £80. You had to play a minimum of four, uh, sorry, 40 hours to unlock Darth Vader, mm -hmm. right? But I just paid 80 quid. Why do I have to play, um, sorry, play for 40 hours before I can play Darth Vader, right? Yeah. That's the question. I well, just I, spent... I, I I find that with a playable character as Darth Vader, like that is a playable character. I I like I would care about that as well. I think cosmetics wise, like I I don't mind. <laughs> it's just the way you look, and like I I think that there is definitely something to be said about the economy. Uh, it's it, it sucks that Lion isn't here right now because uh, I, he was talking about how the economy would be better when like content that is promised is going to be added in where it would be easier to earn your money in game uh, but cosmetics are like they need to keep this game alive anyway anyhow if they don't do it for cosmetics if there's no way to like buy money for to buy cosmetics like what else are you going to buy and like if that's not in there then they can never like push this game forward past like two years at most because how are they going to get the, how are they, they going to get the money DLCs maybe they, yeah they could do DLCs that's what Di um, Destiny 2 does yeah, but Destiny yeah. 2 also does microtransactions. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair point. Like, the whole point I was trying to come across is that it makes the economy feel very lopsided. Like, if you, like, you know, as Lion said, if you have to spend four hours grinding to get enough money to buy one piece of cosmetic equipment, sorry, cosmetic, right, mm. one cosmetic, you know, you know that's at the beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. How bad is it towards the end? Do I have to do eighty hours to buy one cosmetic on the last island of the game? You know, it gives the people the false sense of security, or therefore lack of, mm -hmm. because you know it might be it's still four hours for the very end. But I'm thinking, as a new player experience, I wouldn't want to 
commit that kind of grind mm -hmm. to a cosmetic item at the beginning of the game. Yeah, me neither. But it it it, it depends on like what kind of um, content is still locked away, which is still coming up. Like I think one thing which I think is really important is I would never accept this argument when it comes to something like Anthem uh, to say like, oh, that's just still coming up. But this game is very clearly marked as early access. So I think that um, it's perfectly right to just take this as like they have a system in mind which isn't fully developed yet. So they don't have, we do have the return right now. Um, here we go. Let's see if I can have fun with you guys. <laughs> here we go. We're back. Cool. There's a little bit of echo. Yeah, hold me one second. All right. Let's see how this works. Boom. I'm trying to figure out how to make my headphones actually receive from Discord. It won't work. Um, uh, does it help <laughs> if we're talking? Let me see. No. Let me see. Experiencing technical difficulties right here. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's remembering my PC settings even though I'm connected on my phone, which is weird. Yeah. Okay, we we are we ready? I think so. Okay, we can't hear ourselves, so I think we're good. Oh yeah. Are cool. we good? <laughs> is it working or no? Uh, it's working. Can we, you hear can us? Hear you. I can hear you. Okay, okay cool. We're cool. good. We're good. That's Let's working. go. Yay! Okay, Lion, jump in. What the the crap we were spewing out? Yeah, the the the, the monetary <laughs> system. Like, how do you feel about the in-game currency um, requiring the you, as Drew says, like four hours of gameplay of grind time to acquire one piece of cosmetic? So I I don't mind it so much, uh, mm. purely because I we only have once again half the game in, so I. I don't feel comfortable making a full judgment on mm -hmm. how expensive those cosmetics are in game because right now, right? So I think the highest temp time that you can release for cash is if you catch like a Shun or Shun, mm -hmm. whatever. I still can't pronounce some of these names. That's another issue I have with the game. I can't pronounce oh, yeah. the names. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like 328 Pansun if one's released, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like the highest value one right now. And that's only at like half the level. So if we're getting up to like close to like level 80 90 temtem towards end game maybe that you're capturing and releasing those scale with their level so technically there could be a ton of different ways you know i think the revenue will ramp as it gets closer to the end game like mm -hmm. true end game yeah well but does it not feel like a bad idea to make it so that cosmetics are only suitable for true end game I don't mind it so much. Yeah, I like, think I think most for me, like, yeah, I can't speak to most players, but for me, like, if I'm playing through the full game, mm -hmm. the last thing on my mind is getting a cosmetic midway through the game. Yeah, I I feel the same. I know I know some people deeply care. Like, we do have this statement within Warframe where it's like fashion frame is endgame. Uh, but like for me, my biggest question comes up when it's like, well. Is it a problem? Let's say, yes, it is a problem that cosmetics like should be easier to acquire. It's like, where are they going to put the monetization gate on? Like, where else would you want to put it on? Because, like, 
I think that they're gonna need to put it on somewhere, and like then I would rather have it on cosmetics. Yeah, that's definitely where I prefer it to be. Mm -hmm. How about you, Drew? Right, you're nodding yeah. in agreement. Yeah. yeah. Um... No, I'm, I'm. I was just thinking, like, you know, where would I prefer it? But again, the cosmetics have to be. Vi it, it really depends. You know, <laughs> hell, if you could actually dress up your Temtem, that would be something I'd be totally down for. Mm -hmm. Right, the thing that you're looking at the most. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Have, I don't think Pokemon has had that, do they? Uh, uh no, I think it does. I think it does. I think the Sword latest Shield, Pokemon. I think you can put like hats and things on your Pokemon, I think, or something. I don't know. Oh, nice. Um, so one thing that you mentioned, Lion, in the chat was um, the interesting development which they, which Crema, the developers of Temtem, recently did, where they banned nine hundred and plus, nine hundred plus people. And I've I've, I've seen some tweets around um, where people <laughs> were very supportive of this because they said we have a zero uh, tolerance policy towards cheaters. If we catch you cheating, you're banned without any further like. Like dialogue, yeah, like no ban appeals. Yeah. yeah, how do you feel about that? Um, they did walk that back a little bit. They did open up ban appeals, but they did verify that every instance was true cheating. So, mm -hmm. like, I think the best, I think the best way to do it is what they did, where it was just a wave of nine hundred people banned, because then that makes people not clue into, you know, the people that make cheats or make hacks. It makes it harder to find out what triggered it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what let them detect it. And from what I saw, what they were doing is they were like getting um, people were glitching into areas that are not even opened yet and farming Temtem that are not even released and then selling them on the market. Mm -hmm. Like it was proliferating some things that are not even fully released yet and not fully tested. And they're, you know, putting them in there. So like and for them to say, like, you know, you're doing something wrong, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, I don't have a problem with like something on that to that extreme. Like, you know, you shouldn't be going over there trying to sell these things and make a huge profit in the game from content that other players can't access like you're well aware that's something you shouldn't be doing like i think that's that's beyond just a simple like exploit that gets detected you know what i mean like mm -hmm. there's actively like malicious intent like for them to make a profit and get ahead of other players you know what i mean yeah. like i think that's I, I think they drew the line in a good way like having hacked lumas and hacked all these things because lumas have better stats when you first get them which makes the breeding process early or easier and also they sell for more like all those things that they detected i think were were good stages to set a firm stance on so i don't have an issue with it and i think mainly the the the, the loudest voices i saw were a couple that did get banned and likely were ones that were doing it so you know what i mean i i, I don't mm -hmm. see an issue around it for the most part Right. Well, there, there, there is, of course, like the the question that some people have posed, where it's like, hey, if there is an exploit in in, in the game, um, how like on which side does the blame fall uh, for mm -hmm. the for the exploit? Like, isn't it the fault of the, of the developer that the exploit is there, and can you then fault the the player for 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 making use of it because it's something that they can make use of? And like, um, when you when you portray the idea of like someone glitching into an area, forming temptum, and then selling them to like get an edge. Like that sounds kind of cruel, but let's think about like let's say speed runs, where uh, a common practice with speed runs is that people will use exploits to like slim off times, and like that's a generally like accepted thing, which in some parts of the speed right. run community is being done. And when but you're does not that affect other players, yeah, well, like that's that that's the question when it comes to like okay, so let's say that you're selling all these temtem to people to to make the money, then like yeah, like 
you affect other players. But what if you do it to like just get the tempt and like you find this expo and you're like, oh my god, I kind of like cool. There's new things here. Let me like farm that just for myself. It's like if you have it yourself, does that affect other players? Right. I think I'd be really interested to see like which percentage of the people that did get banned from engaging that exploit were the ones that were selling things. Because mm -hmm. that was the I think that was the biggest thing that they were targeting. Because it was like yeah. at one point during the day, the market was flooded with with like hocus because mm -hmm. that's who got discovered as being in this one patch of grass that people can get to yeah. and it was like flooded with that for a couple hours mm -hmm. and then after they issued the whole band wave you don't see those anymore so like i don't know if that's that's what they were specifically targeting the players that did that because they said they looked at each as a case-by-case -case basis so i yeah. think like if somebody farmed it for themselves and then didn't sell it i don't know if they got you know chastised for that they probably yeah. didn't they probably did get like i don't know maybe a temporary ban or something like that but it's yeah. just like, you know, you knew of something that was exploitative by nature. I mean, I, I've seen it in so many games. World of Warcraft, Warframe, um, frick, you just name it. And it's everything, <laughs> every game has had something like this. Right, oh, Heroes of the Storm. You know, everything. Um, and it's, it's going to happen. I do think that one thing that this conversation has actually made me think of the reason why they banned in a wave i don't know if this is common knowledge but i think this gets more attention if it's mm -hmm. instead of like a oh we're gonna nip this in the bud we're gonna nip this in the bud <coughs> if they let it fester first and then they clean up it gets more attention because okay so instead of one person every minute getting banned mm -hmm. it's actually now a thousand people have just been banned yeah yeah you know so well, I, I i can say I, I can definitely see it as a great like pr move in the sense of like we really don't stand for this don't try this at our game because like we won't fuck around however like one thing which i am a little bit concerned about when it comes to like the way that they're handling bans and like i i i think it's a good thing that they updated where they said like we will um like enter into dialogue uh, because they first said that they wouldn't. It's like when it comes to like a, a a smaller like player base, when it comes to like a smaller developer, there are certain things that you can do, and there are certain things which you uh, which are great things that you can do because you have a smaller game, and that is something like treating every single possible case of a cheat use or like a program use or like a violation. Like you can you can treat every single one of those cases and review them closely and then be like, well, this is definitively banned. This is definitively banned. This is like a bit of a questionable case. Like Pete, you can go over it. However, what you find when it comes when when the game gets bigger, and uh, this recently was an example of within World of Warcraft with um Luke from Linus Tech Tips who had this, but undoubtedly a bunch more people have had this. Um like you have such a large player base, you have bots that that like f that look for like certain activities, and in this case, Luke was banned from World of Warcraft. Like I think for like half a year or a year or so, uh, because they detect be because they detected another program running. Like they they detected a secondary mm -hmm. piece of software running, and when he engaged in like the the ticket, like well, what what was it? What happened? They wouldn't give him any details. Because yeah, we don't discuss this because otherwise you could cheat it. Well, he's he says like I have bought every single thing of Blizzard ever since I started, and like I would I'd never cheat. Like the the only possible thing which might be was that some work related thing was running, but they would never like there was no way to get in touch, and only because they they were they were talking about this frequently on their podcast on like 
Linus Tech Tips over 10 million subscribers YouTube channel. Only then, like after like like he he had like a Blizzard rep reach out, and that person wouldn't help him because like when he looked into it, he was like, oh yeah, we don't discuss this thing. And only the week after, like someone came through and said, okay, yeah, no, this is this is wrong, and then they turn it back. And that's something mm -hmm. where it's like. When it comes to like a really small, like small player size, when it comes to like a small game initially, this is something which you can do. And I, and I, I really like the idea of like, we don't fuck around. However, I think that it's really important that you have the dialogue open for like bands, especially because if you, if you like expand the game out and then you have bots maybe making mistakes, it sucks so hard. If you are out there and you spend money, time, you spend everything in this game and all of a sudden you're banned and you have no way of appealing or people won't even react to it. Like that really, really reeks. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree with that. I think I think my, one of the main reasons that they don't discuss that, right, is because mm -hmm. if, even if it's a non-malicious program, that's still some sort of trigger that sets off their, their cheat detection. Mm -hmm. So like anybody that is experienced in making those cheats could then look at that software, see what would trigger that and be like, Hey, this part's in mine. I need to get rid of that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's the reason that they're not transparent about that. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think from a development standpoint, that would make the most sense to me, but at the I... same time, like if they detect that the program is not a malicious one, they should tell the player it's not a malicious one and ban them like immediately. So like I, I said, there's definitely two sides to that. I, I disagree. I don't think it is fair to, you know, oh, you have this program, therefore we're just going to ban you. Mm -hmm. Like, you should be able to tell whether or not your data is being manipulated yeah. by an external source. That is the bannable offense, in my opinion. For example, I didn't, I didn't know this until recently. Do you play Destiny 2 at all? Yeah, I play a ton of it. <laughs> right, you play a ton of it. Right, so I assume you do like a lot of the PvP side of Destiny Two. Yeah, I play I play a fair amount of PvP. I'm I'm more heavily involved in the PvP the PvE aspect and like uh, speed runs and stuff like that. Like I play a lot of that stuff. But I have tons of friends that are really active in the PvP community, like high ranking up there. So I've heard a lot so, of stuff from them. So do you know about the whole exposed IP address thing with the PvP? Yeah, I mean, it also comes into play with the fact that they don't have dedicated servers still for PvP, which is absolutely blows my mind. <laughs> so, Michelle, for your benefit, do you know about this? No, I don't, yeah. but please also explain for... for okay, board. so for everyone's benefit, with the PvP in Destiny 2, especially since it's gone free-to-play, mm -hmm. PvP is done via direct connection between client to client. So one player is the host everyone else is connecting to that host via their direct IP address, which means that if you can find out who is on the enemy team, you can then DDoS them. Yep. Right? Wow. You can do all sorts of nasty shit to them. You can throttle their connection to you. You can do weird, you know, and give yourself an advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I've had my friends complain about it actively when they're playing at high competitive levels. Yep. Yeah. So what I have heard is it's good to get yourself a VPN because then if you're getting attacked, you can just disconnect from the VPN, right? Yeah. At least it is not your home internet connection, mm -hmm. right? Now, there are plenty of games out there that if they detect you're on a VPN, yeah. they'll just flat out ban you, Yeah. right? Wow. 
So if you think about it in that regard, right? What? Why? Why? Why are you banning me? I'm not doing anything. Like I'm, I'm just playing the game, mm-hmm. right? I need the VPN to protect me from bullshit like yeah. Destiny Two v- PvP. Yeah. yeah, but well, if I'm just playing yeah. on, for example, I, I don't know if World of Warcraft. Let's just hypothetical, hypothetical mm-hmm. big AAA title. Just to text you're on a VPN, banned. Well, like, 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 even, even with competitive play or like i i can imagine if i were to stream destiny now pvp i would definitely like not do that <laughs> like because like if you, if you stream something that people have your ip address like like there have been multiple cases where people are using that to like ddos you to take down the stream um so like yep. i would never do that now now that i know that that's a possibility so like maybe with a vpn that would be a way that i could i would go about it but the thing is is also VPNs are becoming way more mainstream, especially with like the bullshit in Europe with Article 13. I expect people were to, well, pick them up more. But even like if you watch anything uh, online related, like you will have heard of NordVPN or Private Internet Access or any any of those uh, those VPNs, which have been like all over the place. And people are using them. And they're like, yeah, there's reasons to use them. So like, <laughs> let's say that I always use my VPN on my computer while I'm working. And then one day I just forget to turn them off when I'm when I'm like, oh well, let's go play a game. It's like like you get banned for that. Like, I I I also think like one one important thing which you highlighted, Lion, where it was like, well, if if we give away the the, the program that used that that like triggered this thing, uh, triggered the ban, uh, then like hackers can figure out which what the program does to like improve their programs. Well, what about the uh, the the other users which are innocent, which are using that same program? Like, let's say that yep. it's a common work program, and the first person gets banned, and they're not being told about it. There are maybe hundreds or thousands of people which are using that at the same time that will also be banned because they don't know. So I think at that point, like the um, the innocent people shouldn't have to suffer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that, those are all fair points. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. A, it's a very hard and delicate situation to be able yeah. to, to tackle those things because of how different everybody plays and mm-hmm. the circumstances from the games. Like the whole thing with destiny is entirely on the developer's side. Like that is their problem mm-hmm. and they yeah. need to address it. And we've been asking them to address it for years. Like there is no reason in 2020 that you should not be running a PVP game on dedicated servers. There's mm. absolutely no reason. Unless you're like, a uh, live service. How- Unless you're a live servers PVE game like Destiny or Warframe, you will do it this way. Because <laughs> Warframe yeah. has the same problems. They also don't have dedicated servers. <clears throat> it doesn't make any sense to me why they go no. why they, why they go client to client. It makes no mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So my next point I want to bring up. The whole I don't know if it, it you'll be able to confirm whether or not this is factual or not. Pokemon suing Temtem. I haven't actually heard that they were suing them partially because the game is coming to Switch. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. <laughs> I've I've seen like articles. Um, this this was weeks ago when we originally tried to sort this out, this episode out. But um, weeks ago, I saw articles stating that Pokemon were suing Temtem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My question here is, do you think 
that there is enough of a case for Pokemon to make suing Temtem. I mean, the fact that they were transparent enough about mm. that their biggest inspiration is Pokemon, but they have actively changed a lot of the elements, I think in a court of law, I think it wouldn't hold up. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think there's a case for them to, to, I guess, go after it. I guess they're super protective of, you know, their their dominant whole stranglehold on the monster-catching genre. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it really is. Like, there's... there's there was even a game that I, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I'm, I'm like blanking, but Pokemon is literally inspired from that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot remember the name of it. Well, it's like, like older than mm-hmm. Pokemon, and literally Pokemon adopted those same kind of like battling systems and everything into what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I and then there's a bunch a... of other games that came out here, you know, like Yokai Watch and stuff like that that have come out since mm-hmm. then, and those didn't really get into legal trouble. So, like, the only reason I would ever see Pokemon going after this because maybe they're a little bit afraid that they're actually improving on some systems. That's that's my biggest... I, I don't think a case would actually hold up. I think they have enough of a difference in what they're doing and how they operate it that I think they'd be fine. But I could see why Pokemon might do something like that. But it's weird to me, if it's coming to Switch, why they would sue something that they're launching on their platform. So... One of the very things that I find super interesting about US law is that if there is a questionable incident of, mm-hmm. you know, th- this thing was happening. So let's let's say, for example, <laughs> um, you know, Temtem was copying Pokemon, right? It was, it was breach of copyright on Pokemon. Uh, what's called and Pokemon, the owners of Pokemon's intellectual property did not sue. That could be used as an example of, well, if they didn't sue this company for doing yeah. something, then why are they suing us? Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that, that's definitely a case. Yeah, yeah. So my question is, regardless of whether or not how. Yeah, okay, it's not really a rip-off Pokemon. If such an event is true, that Pokemon are suing Temtem, do you think this is just legal red tape to make sure that there are no future problems for any future titles? And basically, the uh, company owning Pokemon would just lowball it. Just go, yeah... yeah I, didn't would, even, I didn't even think about it that way, but you could entirely be right. That That would make sense to me. I think that, like, based on how Dave Princeton didn't been so transparent about it, like that, it is like a inspired by Pokemon case. Like, they will have like done their due diligence on like what can what they can be sued for and what they can't be sued for. Otherwise, like, it's a pretty like interesting endeavor if you're not doing your due diligence about that and still stating that like this is inspired by Pokemon. Uh, at the same time, I think it's also like a Fortnite PUBG like kind of claim, where yeah. PUBG tried to like own the genre because like they were the like the popularizer of it, um, even though it's like a, a a type of genre. And, and that's also something that I was wondering about, where it's like with like the mainstream popularity of Pokemon, like 
a lot of these things feel like very much inspired by Pokemon, maybe like even taken out of Pokemon, which of course it is. But isn't that just because Pokemon has been so dominant, pretty much had like a public monopoly when it comes to like, like yeah. the, the, the public domain, like people feel that the only kind of creature capture <laughs> game there is, is Pokemon and Pokemon is that thing. And like anything that looks like it is Pokemon. But actually, like, we've just only been having, like, one game of that genre for the past 20 years, not realizing that it was a genre instead of just one game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, like, there's other games in the genre, but they always fall fall away so quickly. Because, mm -hmm. because like you said, Pokemon does essentially have a monopoly over that genre. And, you know, for me, I'm a firm believer in that competition breeds creativity. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and... In my honest opinion, I, I might get a ton of flack from it from the Pokemon community, but Pokemon's gotten incredibly stale to me. Oh yeah, like incredibly stale. And and there was that whole controversy around the the low res textures, which I even look at at Sword and Shield right now and how it looks graphically, and I I don't know how people can say that it looks beautiful. Like I think it looks like a mess. Like the textures are way lower res than what that system can clearly handle with like things like Breath of the Wild and everything like. There could have been a lot more work that went into the UI design and everything overall in that game. And it feels very much like it was either ported over or it was quickly slapped together to make money. Yeah, that, well, that was that's my firm belief as like an artist. I looked at it and there wasn't that much of a visual improvement to over previous games. Even yeah, well, though it was made in 3D, mm -hmm. you know. Like mm -hmm. well, like I have the, the... Go ahead. I have heard uh, the rumor that this was originally meant to be a 3ds game and it got ported over to the switch because the switch was the big thing that had just come out and you can see that with other pokemon games i think black and white was um a 3ds game and it's just like this could have just easily been a ds game mm. You well, but uh, what you also had was that they tried the let's go Eevee, let's go Pikachu thing with the Switch, where it was like the 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 motion controls of like throwing the Pokeball, and that just, in terms of their regular sales, like wasn't a success. So if they didn't right. release this game on the Switch, then the Switch would have been this major well-selling platform that wouldn't have a successful Pokemon game on it. Um, right which would also be a reason of them rushing it. Uh, but because of like the state that Pokemon is in, where like like yeah, they like the visuals aren't the greatest right now. The Dexit thing happened. There's been a lot of controversy around the DLC thing yeah. going on. Um like is is it is this maybe potentially like a prime time for Temtem to step in? And maybe also one of the reasons why it is actually like catching on quite a bit more than um any previous attempts at like games in this genre yeah. isn't this the prime time yeah. for for like people to like kind of open up their hearts from 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 like the pokemon franchise and be like let's try this out and see how this thing does and maybe does it better than pokemon ever did definitely because i this is one of the reasons that i got so interested in it. like i'm mm -hmm. i'm a huge pokemon i still have my first full eight collections of original cards like in a binder put away Ooh, like i nice. still have those like as like a as like a nostalgia thing like mm -hmm. pokemon will always be like this big thing but for a game like this when i just try it to immediately break through that nostalgia barrier and for me to enjoy it that's a huge thing in my opinion like mm -hmm. that, they've hit something with that and i think it's it's perfectly acceptable for their for people to branch out and just experience other games like there's it's, it's not in a way going to directly hurt pokemon 
Like for it, for anybody to think that this is a threat to Pokemon, I definitely don't think that's a thing. I think if anything, it'll make them improve and you'll get a better game out of it. That's that's the only way I see that going because there's no way a company like Nintendo or Game Freak will let that IP just die. There's no way. <laughs> no. And they can only get more benefit by making a better game. Like, sure, it might cut into profits initially, but once they have the infrastructure models, you know, systems set up for that kind of thing in a better format, they they literally can run even faster, you know, with the resources they have. So, like, I I think there's plenty of space in the in the genre for these games to compete, and I I would welcome more to play in those kind of things because at a certain point. You know, you, you play Pokemon, and I'm just like, I'm really tired of catching Squirtle. I'm really, really tired of having this. Always looking in that instance. Oh, look! I'm... Yay! <laughs> All right. <laughs> Internet is back on. Nice. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so like, you know, there's, there's definitely. I, I, I don't see there being a big problem here, and I definitely think people need to expand and and just give the game a shot. Yeah. Because at it's cost also like it's it's 35 bucks usd i think to play the game it i think they said it's going to get it more expensive when it comes into full launch mm -hmm. i think that's I like that said. so i like, like that so playing it now and being part of the development cycle and providing that feedback and everything i think is a good thing for people to just get in and try it and play it now yeah um but even when it fully releases they're not doing like multiple versions like pokemon does where you need to buy two full games to be able to get everything and then they release the special combined version later on and then now you have dlc and all this kind of stuff whereas temtem is hey pay me 35 dollars and you get the full game mm -hmm. yeah you know what i mean like they have a, a monetary edge i think over pokemon also in this regard well it and I, it, it, it it depends on how they do <laughs> how they move forward with their monetization features because like yeah. we were discussing a little bit earlier when it comes to like um the monetization of cosmetics like they need like um uh, uh microtransactions in there like if you want to run a live service which is is and like this yeah. is something where i get confused by a lot because i like this feels to me like it's just a pokemon game kind of that yeah. i'm buying which is just online it doesn't feel like a live service to me whereas if you come up to me with destiny and said pay 60 bucks and then you have this live service game with like paid dlc and paid microtransaction i was like yeah no um but like if they are to go ahead with like they they need to sustain themselves over the long yeah. run because this initial buy period like they're gonna have initial sales but that won't last for like the longest period unless you want this game to run like for two three years so like it really depends on how they do the microtransactions like if the like cosmetics uh, grind will become maybe even tougher or like <laughs> like easier and then if they're gonna do the quality of life payments like how much that affects it like if that's yeah. gonna be like I think that with Destiny, with paid DLC and microtransactions, like it makes sense that right now it's free to play because I didn't, it didn't feel like a fair deal to pay sixty bucks and then also like pay for DLC and microtransactions. So if they keep it like the way that it is right now and they have a full game at sixty bucks and like it doesn't feel as intrusive, I'd love it. But if they change up their microtransactions to be a little bit more aggressive, which I can imagine them doing because you're not going to have that many initial sales, then having a sixty dollar price tag on, on on it or an increased price tag will like feel different but i really like what they're doing now yeah i think a big aspect also that people don't that people don't look at is there there is cosmetics right just mm -hmm. for the player model themselves but don't forget they also have a housing system coming Ooh, right yeah where you can fully customize your player house mm -hmm. and everybody can visit your house and see what it looks like so 
that's a huge area for cosmetics to be a purchasable thing. Like things you'll earn in game. Sure. I'm sure there's furniture, mm -hmm. a ton of things you can earn through game through like the weekly rewards. I'm sure those will be things, but there will also definitely be purchasable cosmetics for houses. Like elder scrolls online does that kind of thing, you know, where it's, yeah. you, you build your own little house and you have all these kind of things. I think that's the route they'll mainly go. And I don't think, I don't think those quality of life will be as prevalent as everybody's so worried about. I think the big sticking points are going to be character cosmetics and housing cosmetics and i think those alone will fuel a huge portion of the development costs mm -hmm. i hope so i i really do i think that <laughs> it will be like like yeah i think that it has worked in previous games and i hope that it will work so because people love the cosmetics and people also love giving back to uh to a game that they really enjoy in yep. monetary value so like that's that's great um i like that so with our main question being of will Temtem conquer Pokemon? Of course, I don't think that it will completely um, take over Pokemon. Uh, but I think that this is the first time that I really feel that we have something that could be a really true competitor, which doesn't necessarily take the 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 po it doesn't compete with Pokemon on the same level in the sense of yeah. like it doesn't release on a handheld as like the exact same way. This releases on Steam as an online game and i think it suits it really well i like it i think so too i, I think i wonder i wonder how it's going to play in the switch being online but that's oh, another question oh, yeah <laughs> i think that it has a lot of potential to be god um i think it has a lot of potential to give pokemon a run for its money but the biggest thing is that they shouldn't be over ambitious too mm. soon yeah. and bite off more they can chew yeah well, sp speaking of one more thing, uh, which is hard to pronounce, the names. <laughs> yeah, I we Kodiak has had problems with them. I've had problems with them, like just pronouncing some of them. We've gotten flack for the way we pronounce them. I, I don't know how to pronounce half the names in the game, I'd say. Yeah. And we kind of just go with what we sounds phonetically correct. You know, yeah. like <laughs> no, I've like I will not name the professor. I just call him professor, and I just nickname all my Pokemon into like George or Gregory or <laughs> Matthew, and like I'll be fine. But yeah, like oh my god, like the names are so ah, and like there's a lot of getting used to with things. Like I remember the first time I said I'm gonna become a Temtem master. Like okay, here's another Temtem. Okay, uh, okay, like it, it needs to get you get used to, but that's fine. But then like you have some some names which use very interesting, like spellings where i'm like right i don't know like where does yeah. this inspiration come from what kind of language does it i mean do, they're, do these they're a, originate from they're a spanish studio right <clears throat> oh yeah they're from what? spain yeah ah. yeah they're from spain um so i think a lot of it takes you know from portuguese from spain from france i think mm -hmm. those are the general tones i'm getting because even like some of the vibes and some of the music i'm getting like like uh dr hamijo who's like a character later in the game that you you encounter his music feels very like chaotic French. Like it's interesting. Like mm -hmm. I think they're taking from the general like European vibe, like of different countries' cultures. I think that's what they're doing. The the one the one game the music stood out to me um, was Final Fantasy Thirteen. It's just <laughs> like there's a lot of violin here. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now that you said that, it's got, it's got European influences. I uh, I guess I don't have anything that I can say now on the pronunciation being European. Dang it! Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it it could also be something where it's where it's a a getting used to thing because like 
what yeah. the heck was a was a Pikachu like when twenty years ago the the game came out? It's like a lot right. of these a lot of the Pokemon names are very much Japanese. Yeah. Um, even though we have had a lot of translations, like seriously, it makes if you if you look at like the Japanese names of some Pokemon, like fuck me, uh, like wow, they're, uh, they're crazy. Yeah. They change so much, <laughs> but still, like uh, uh, a lot of these name like like Japanese terms we have gotten used to. So maybe this is something that will that will get used to. But I think the anime helped a lot when it came to the correct pronunciation, where yeah. because like you hear them say Pikachu in like the anime, you know how it's pronounced. Which I think they're making a play for an anime. I don't know if you mm -hmm. saw their tweet that they're tweeting yes. for Netflix. Yeah. They made that trailer, and then they're also trying to get... I think they're trying to get on board with Netflix to make an animated series. I mean, Netflix will just make anything. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's how we end up with, like, Lost in Space. Yeah. And The Witcher. Mm -hmm. All the great. Oh, my God. Castlevania's coming out soon. <laughs> Sorry. I got distracted. What? <laughs> They, right. definitely still, they definitely still have a huge roadmap, though, that they have to tackle yeah. within a year. It's well, pretty big. I have to say that I am really glad that like they're releasing this number one as early access and cheaper than like the full price thing, uh, and that it is a playable game. Like, yeah, seriously, I think that uh, for me, if you come if you come up to me and give me roadmap bullshit, I don't believe it in one second. Like, look at Anthem, look at all these games that brought in roadmaps that never worked. But because like this is something you can play, you can put hours into, even though it's not completely finished, you can put a lot of hours into and just yeah. have an enjoyable experience. And it's like half the price maybe right now. It's like, yeah, sure. I don't mind when it comes out. It's like even maybe like even if stuff comes out like later than you imagined, I don't mind. I have fun here. I like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Right. Um, I think we're going to call it here because... Mm -hmm. Uh, Lion is very busy and I am. <laughs> will be very soonly getting ready for work. Yeah. Um, so it's been absolutely lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much for teaching us the many things of Tam Tam. Um, that's, our, that's our goal. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for uh, like the, the internet interruptions and things. Um, I'll, I'll try and not yeah. do it again. <laughs> uh, where can people find you? So uh, you guys can find us as a team. Uh, we're Legion Gaming on YouTube. Uh, you can find the, what's it called? The at symbol Unite the Legion. That's our Twitter tag. I'm also um, at the Livid Legend. So I'm on, I'm on Twitter as well. I'm on my own account. So we have multiple places that you can find us. Uh, we are very active on Twitter. We're very active on YouTube. And we're getting into Twitch a lot more now where we have a streamer basically streaming every day of the week. So playing some version of some game, Temtem is a big focus, but we have other focuses that we're branching out to as well. So that's also uh, Legion Gaming. So you can find us there. Cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Right. Michelle, are we going to um, hand on to... Why did you post that three times? <laughs> because people are more, more likely to click it if it's in there three times. Fair Study point. say. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, right. So, should we find someone to?